This is Ashley Hodge with the Sikkim 365 podcast. I'm joined by John Jacobs. Uh, we've done a few of these with John before, and I always love talking to him and, and getting his thoughts on the Baylor basketball team and the, and the development now that practice is officially starting and we're getting ready for an exciting season ahead. Uh, John, thank you for taking time to do this. First of all, I want yeah, to no problem. I just want to start for having me. Yeah, yeah. I want to start just by asking you about uh, guard development this summer. Um, have you ever had a plethora of riches uh, to work with like you got right now? <laughs> I mean, we got six really good ones, and uh, I mean, Jake, you know, you include him too. I mean, this this is a you got a lot of bodies, a lot of talent, a lot of skill. You know, what what's it been like to work with these guys? Yeah, they're fantastic players and uh, great people. Also, uh, I think we've had some depth at the guard position, and if you go back even a long time ago, you know this and Scott's history here, but Aaron Bruce and uh, Curtis Gerald, Henry Dugat, uh, Lace Dunn, Tweedy Carter, you know, there's been pockets of like really deep guards in the national championship team. I think, uh, you know, LJ was number five in that list. And when you see LJ play this year, you're going to think how deep were they if LJ was number five, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we love our six and seven with Jake. And, um, I, I think that there's a professionalism to them. I think there's kind of a legacy that's being handed down. I think there's an increase in our pace of play and transition. I think what's nice about this group is we're going to have four or five guys that shoot over 40% from three again, like we did with the national championship team. And you kind of go back to three guards, open space, playing even with the four man who can stretch it. Now there's almost no way uh, you can shrink your spacing against us, which is a really good time. So uh, we're just trying to fit their skill set with our system, but they're so skilled that's really easy. Coach likes to say uh, they'll make any coach look smart. <laughs> so so I've been saying this on a few podcasts and on the message boards, and, and you tell me if I'm crazy, but when I look at this, just on paper and I mean, you're seeing it in person. I've, you know, I've seen a couple practices this summer. Uh, you know, what's, what, what comes to mind for me is like a college version of golden state. I mean, just having those multiple guys that can create off the dribble, you know, great shooters, how they space the floor. I mean, just what a nightmare it is to try to cover that. I mean, if you're going to put your best defender on, Adam, you know, then good luck with LJ and Keontae and Langston. And, you know, if, you know, it's, it's just, a, it's a, it is a kind of a pick your poison type situation, isn't it? Yeah. We want to get to the point where whatever decision you make, you choose wrong <laughs> and offense, offense should be in the most simple form. If you do this, then we do that. Right. And the trick with the guards is that they're so talented they believe they can do whatever they want against the person in front of them. But if we can get to that, if you do this, then we do that, and we pick on the longest closeout or we pick on the worst defender or we pick on our largest advantage instead of them saying it's my turn, there, there'll be a selflessness that will allow four, five, six of them to be successful, share the ball, see it go in. And that, that should be a real positivity. And – we're not the Golden State Warriors. That's a special, unique bunch. But we have stolen one or two things from them in the offseason as far as our transition and then the pace we're playing. And then there's two or three kind of sets that we're working with that they run also. 
And I would say the guards and their development are going to make that look great. But some of the most special development that's gone on with that is our five men are now kind of functioning in a five out system with dribble handoffs and pitch and chases and, and facing the basket. And then we've got these four guys running in circles around them like the Warriors do. And you'll see us adjust maybe with the way people switch. We've always kind of picked on the worst defender. If you watch the national championship game, you'll see that. But I think we'll do some off the ball picking on people in our switch attack, um, which will be a good step forward for us. And I think we've wanted to do for a while, but this personnel allows for it. So there's a little warrior elements, but really the thing I hope we take from a group like that is how mature the warriors are with picking on what you ought to pick on instead of being selfish. Right. And this group's been really good at that so far. Yeah, that's good to hear. So, so tell us about, um, I mean, LJ was, you know, rehabbing and now he's been practicing. Uh, I know Fran Frischella tweeted out that he had a minor groin injury and didn't practice the day that Fran was at practice the other day. But, um, you know, what have you, I, you know, from what I've heard and from what, what he tweeted, you know, that he's been, very efficient, uh, you know, so far this summer, um, you know, what have you seen from him just as far as, you know, what, what he worked on during the rehab process and how that's translated into, uh, what he looks like on the court right now. Yeah. Injury stuff's really unfortunate, uh, not just for us as a program, but for LJ as a person, just because what he loves to do is play basketball. And when that's taken away, that's hard on, on anybody. And in that time, you can choose to really struggle or you can choose to get better. And one of the ways you get better, it happens kind of the third year you stay in college basketball, your mind just gets stronger. I think naturally the way he reads the game, the way he's reading the ball screen and the way he kind of understands how he can score from certain spots and specifically off the bounce is a real growth step for him. That, that happened even though he was injured and that, came from watching our guys being in practice film him just maturing as a person, but there's a lot of growth there that you would think, Oh, he's just sitting around with bad foot. That's not what he was doing at all. Right. And, uh, he, he attacked that the way you ought to attack it. And you're going to see a bunch in his game that, uh, looks exactly like growth and we're excited for him and off the bounce stuff and his ability to attack one-on-one and drive closeouts has only gone up. And the fact that he shoots the three so well, people are going to be running at him so hard that there's no way they can run forwards and backwards at the same time. <laughs> so the way he's attacking closeouts because of how dangerous he is as a shooter has really improved. And then you, you're going to see a nice finishing package in the paint as far as how he finishes his twos around the rim and gets to the free throw line. So he's done a good job to, to grow while not playing. He's done as good as anybody can ask and we're rooting for him, but, the, the thing he does as good as anybody in the country is just shoot the ball. And that's, that's needed more than ever. He makes threes like nobody's business and that's going to be awesome for us. Yeah. Uh, we'll take a three at any moment without Jay. He can shoot it in the first two seconds. He can shoot it from the logo. He can shoot off the bounce. We, we have almost no rules for him. <laughs> if he shoots a three, that's good for us. And we'll just go get 40% of our misses. <laughs> I mean, that's us scoring 80% of the time if you base it on how else he shoots the ball. So yeah. uh, we're okay with that. We're okay with that. Well, and, and you know, it's, uh, the guard that's uh, got the most experience is Adam Flagler. And, and uh, 
you know, he's a terrific shooter as well. And, you know, what's, what have you seen from him as, as far as maturing and leadership and, and, you know, getting more of that point guard mindset uh, this off season? Yeah. I mean, the first thing that makes a great leader is your character and he's got high character. And the second thing is that I just think sometimes longevity in a locker room helps and his experience is going to help him in that. But it's different to be a leader, you know, and then be a point guard. Right. And you hope that both are the same and synonymous, but you wondered how he was going to handle the full-time point guard, you know, logging of minutes. And he's only playing point guard in practice and he's been fantastic. And his ball screen reads are great. His ability to find shooters is great. His working with the fives and the rollers has really grown. And the other thing that he's done is good or better than any point guard we've had is he's pitching ahead and getting us into offense faster. Hmm. And there's a selflessness in the first seven seconds that has become contagious. And his willingness to kind of pitch ahead in those moments has really helped the whole group. So, he can run a team. People are underestimating he's one of the best point guards in the country. And that'll that'll show itself. And more than anything, though, we have to adjust to his style a little bit. Every point guard's different, but it's easy to adjust when the guy's willing to run fast, pitch ahead, and get more possessions. Because with extra possessions means extra points, and with extra points means more guys are in double digits and when more guys are in double digits, they're willing to run faster and play harder for the point guard. And yeah. so possession count actually matters and Adam's helping it go up for us. So he's done a good job. We're happy for him. Yeah. You know, that's, that's an interesting um, comment, you know, and it makes sense, especially when you have depth. I mean, it's, it's going to be a challenge to keep everybody happy, but if you play faster and you get more possessions, then it's a little easier to do that. Right. I mean, cause that's uh you can you can push guys hard. You know they they might require a blow more than they wouldn't if they were playing at a slower pace. And then you you got fresh bodies coming off the bench. Uh, talk about Langston. Langston, you know Adam. When we interviewed him this summer, uh, he was you know and LJ said the same thing that you know you're going to be surprised by what, how well he shoots the ball. I would assume he's one of those guys that you think can shoot forty percent from three, right? Yeah, we're pretty confident that it's that's a attainable goal for Langston. He needs to shoot the right ones, you know, uncontested threes. He's got to um, find his space where he can get them off. Uh, he's got to grow in his ability to come off pin downs. And I think long-term, he's also got to add a little bit when it comes to shooting a three off the bounce. But when it comes to pure catch and shoot three point shooters, he's unbelievable. And he's, he's come along really well. He's a strong kid, got high character. Uh, laterally, he probably has a little bit more to go to get back to where he was 100%, but north and south, he's great. And with how strong he is physically, he's doing just fine. But the courage he's shown and his willingness to do extra work and the way he's attacked his rehab has put him in a really good spot. But I would say that we fully expect him, if he takes the right ones, to shoot over 40% from three this year. Right. And then, and then of course, Keontae is uh, someone we got a really good look at in Canada. He played terrific. Uh, you know, d we expected him to be really good. You know, he's a guy that's projected to be a, a top 10 NBA pick and, and he's, um, you know, come to Baylor with a lot of accolades. What have you seen? I, when I interviewed him, I was shocked at how 
trim he is and, and, you know, how he's just really attacked this summer from a conditioning standpoint. His body looks great. I mean, what have you seen from him this summer as far as development? Yeah, he, he did a good job. I mean, coach Charlie's great at his job. Shout out to coach Charlie. Everybody knows that. And I think sometimes when a kid is a top five player and he's as talented as Keontae is, people start to nitpick at things. And the reality is, is that Keontae played in like six straight all-star weekends, whether it's McDonald's All-American or Hoop Summit or Jordan Brand. He's flying around, you know, eating fast food, fulfilling these responsibilities, not having a consistent schedule. And so much of that was just him being a great person and not passing on any of those all-star opportunities. But he came in this summer. He's eating right. His body's changed. He's on the regimen. He follows the plan. He doesn't skip things. And you can see it. You came to a practice. The moment you walk in, you go, wow, he's, he looks exactly how he should. Right. And it, it's an unfair critique. And when people see him, they're going to realize that it's definitely an unfair critique. And he's blown that out of the water. And not only is he physically capable of being Baylor Bear, he's physically capable of being an NBA player. And for him, it just so much of it comes down to efficiency and choosing spots. He can get a shot anytime. He's a way better passer than people understood. I think we're really excited at how good a passer he is in a ball screen. Right. He's way ahead of schedule in his reads as an 18-year-old. And he has the tools. So now it comes down to how do you play with others? And then when are your right spots to kind of go off? And, um, you know, he's going to find that. His teammates will help him. The staff will help him. But he's a, he's a good, coachable person who's a really solid teammate. He does a great job uh, getting along with people. He does a great job on our official visits with recruits. He's personable. So I would imagine most of it for him is going to be up and up if he stays healthy, and that's what we're praying for. But when you're that good, it just comes down to choices and efficiencies. And as long as he does a, do good, does a good job in those two areas, we're going to be okay. Yeah. Well, he's so. Um, before I ask you about defense, I do want to ask about uh, Dale Bonner and Dantuan Grimes as well. Uh, they they played really well in Canada, from my expectations, I guess. And I mean, Dale just keeps seems like he just continues to get better. And uh, for me, is is he the best defender on a, the team, or or I mean, it, I mean, he's got to be up there in the top three or four at least. I mean, what what have you seen from Dale? Yeah, I think. People should not sleep on Dale Bonner, and you saw that a little bit this summer. Um, I think he had 16 and 11 in the game against Canada, against Marcus, and you know Marcus will be an All Big 12 player, and Dale was as comfortable as could be. He had the best assist to turnover ratio, and he shot the best from three last week in practice. So his player development stuff, I don't think people should just kind of look past that. He's really grown. He shot 42% at the D2 school he was at from three prior to coming to us. So inside there's a shooter. And as he's adjusted the speed of high major basketball, I think he settled back into finding his jump shot. And I don't know if he's the best defender. That's probably not fair, but I, I bet if you ask the staff and Alvin Brooks and coach new and the guys doing the defense that they would say he's the most consistent hmm. and uh, he doesn't break the rules of the defense. He's, he's the most consistent at knowing all the rotations. He's the most consistent at guarding the ball. Um, and he's really grown and we're thrilled for him. And he came in and spelled us in really big moments. I mean, he started at West Virginia last year with our injury stuff, played 37 minutes. We won on the road. Yeah. So this, 
this is a guy with Big 12 experience, real Big 12 experience on a team that won the Big 12. And uh, he's he's in a great spot. He's in a really good job. We're proud of him. And then D'Antoine coming as uh, the best guard in JUCO last year into the system, maybe a little bit more of an unknown. Uh, he's so fun to coach. He talks trash in practice. He brings life to it. He smiles. He shot over 40% from three at Kilgore last year. Uh, he was coached by a Baylor GA, Cody McCoy. Uh, did a great job with him and his player development. Antoine's a really good passer and a really strong athlete. And those two are as fast as anybody you're going to see in a sprint. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And that speed alongside the other guys and with the way Adam's pitching ahead and guys are sharing the ball, it's contagious they really helped our practice, the pace of our practice, the strength of our practice. And and both guys are, are doing a great job. Um, you know, because all six are so talented, people are going to play and not play. But right now we need to just make sure all six are on the same page. And D'Antoine and Dale have fit right in. And um, for D'Antoine, I would call it fitting in. For Dale, I would just call it a continuation of what he did last year. Yeah. Which was help, help us win the Big 12. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, the the questions that I get the most, I think, are about defense and competitiveness and, you know, comparing, which is always tough to do, but, but people do it, you know, to the two years ago and just the intensity and the, um, you know, just the, just the dog mentality that those guys had, Davion, Maceo, Jared, Mark. Uh, do you think, you know, do you see that or is that, is that a, you know, to be determined is that a work in progress or are you seeing that competitive desire and just hunger that that same team had two years ago yeah i think anytime a team wins the first national championship in baylor men's basketball you know in the modern era everyone's going to compare everything to them and i mean we were number two in the country in offense that year mm. And only Gonzaga scored more points per possession than us. But at the same time, I, I know that people identify that group as tough and gritty and defensive. And Davion Mitchell and Mark Vidal and Maceo Teague's six eleven wingspan. I know you love wingspan, Ashley. <laughs> and like Jared Butler went from maybe a not great defender as a freshman to a top fifteen defender in the country. That it seemed formed into an angry swarming defensive personality and it was it was awesome and are we that now no we're the first week in practice right do we have good enough people and kids to be that yes we do defense is a choice and flow started on that team he's not gotten worse at defense right uh josh and zach's rim protection is real you wait till you see josh a freshman switch mm. and protect the rim yeah unbelievable athlete I think Caleb Lohner has some Mark Vidal to him. He's just 6'8", I mean, big, strong. I'm sure people have asked him to play tight end before. He catches lobs, he cuts, he dunks. But there's a real aggression to him. And Jalen, I don't – this new rule of in-conference transfers, it, it just kind of is what it is. But he was coached by Bob Huggins. I, yeah. I wouldn't say Jalen's soft. Uh, and then you add the grit of the guards and the depth and – Jordan Turner being back. Adam was on that team that won national championship, played super meaningful minutes and hit huge shots in the tournament for us. Uh, 
you know, LJ was on that team. It's not like we're completely void of the tradition that happened. Right. It's just going to be how that team kind of formed together. And you saw it last year. I mean, when Villanova played here and we had all our guys prior to being injured, we were 18 and 0. That's a pretty good defensive team. Yeah. I mean, they held Villanova to the 40s. So the system's still in place. It'll just be how they bond together on the defensive end. And then do they find that final 2% on their own in the locker room and they just decide how angry and nasty they're going to be? And we can't give that to them. They have to make that choice. But the rules will be the same. And then it'll just come down to how they bond with each other. But they've been really good at that so far. As a coach, what what is your biggest concern now? I mean, is it that, what you just stated? I mean, it sounds like, I mean, there, it seems like, you know, on paper, this team can be tremendous on offense and, and really tough to stop. And, and, you know, I know um, how, you know, just in, interviewing Jalen and, and he just talked about uh, the genius of, of the system that you, that you guys run and, you know, big credit, you know, to everyone on the staff, but you and Scott, you know, or handled the offense, you know, quite a bit. And, um, you know, what's like, is what's, what's your biggest concern, like a, as a coach heading into this uh, season? Yeah, well, it'd be hard not to come off last year and not say that health. my first concern or prayer is health. Yeah. And um, you can't control those things. And there's 350 plus teams in Division One, and usually one with two point guards and one that's the healthiest ends up winning that thing at the end. You could play that tournament six different times and get six different champions. So, but health and the point guard play matter a lot. Uh, so as long as we can stay healthy, that that takes care of itself. Uh, the second thing I I think the Big Twelve is one in like so many one to two possession games and those things don't come down to big moments they come down to little disciplines like what's our turnover percentage are we taking care of the ball and then are we rebounding the ball both offensively and defensively because games are decided by free throw count turnovers rebounding percentage and shooting percentage effective field goal percentage right and so the the two ones that are the hardest control is your turnover percentage and then your ability to defensive and offensive rebound. And we've always been a top five offensive rebounding team. Scott's committed to that. We always send three to the glass. That's in place. Our guys have been great at that. We can improve in our ability to defensive rebound. Right. And I think our defense is, is good. It's, it's harder to learn to rotate on defense in the beginning and the play is five. If you can contest the shot, then it comes down to can you get the rebound? And so our first shot defense in practice is probably right where it needs to be. If we'll box out, then we'll be okay because the teams won't be getting second and third chances. And uh, that's just part of being in the first week of practice. You got to reteach the guys to hit. They're not they're not shooting in a gym against orange cones with somebody rebounding for them. They're running into each other. Now. Right. So more specifically than defense, I would just say defensive rebounding, and then the. The third thing besides health, your toughness when it comes down to the little stuff is really the teams that win national championships are player led, not coach led. And that gets defined as we play games and as the season goes on. And that group you referred to that won national championship, when they got in the bubble, they they were all locked in. It's almost like they didn't need us. We were just coaching basketball. We weren't coaching effort. Right. And if this group will, 
let us coach basketball and not effort, then the sky's the limit if we're healthy. And But those are the two things you don't know. How tough will you be in those little things? And then how together will they be? And will they really need you or are they going to be able to do it by themselves in the locker room? Yeah. And and this is something I, I mentioned to Keontae in the interview that I did with him this summer. Uh, but I, I'm just curious if this is addressed. Because uh, I, I noticed he did this a couple of times in Canada. And it seems to be a trend in basketball in general. But, you know, we were talking about the Boston-Golden State finals and how in a, at a critical part, I think it was maybe game five, uh, you know, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown would be driving to the hole and there's maybe four or five possessions where they did not score, but they tried to sell the contact, fell down. And then like what you mentioned with Golden State earlier in the, in the conversation, you know, the ball's ahead and all of a sudden you got a five on four and ends up with the easy three or a dunk. Um, you know, like is that – emphasize you know how important it is to you know if if you're gonna if you're gonna miss a shot you know immediately get up and and sprint back to defense I know it is I mean this is a rhetorical question but um you know versus like you know complaining to the ref and trying to trying to affect a you know a call that's not going to go your way you know after the after the play's already over I mean is that like are those the type of little things that you're talking about when we have to be attention to detail yeah, I mean, that's not a turnover, but it can function as a turnover if you give up a layup at the other end and people aren't back. Um, but, you know, Scott does a great job of addressing those things, not letting one mistake lead to two. And then the staff is kind of split up in categories. So, you know, Alvin addresses body language after every game. So if you think you get fouled and then you don't and you stop playing, that's probably going to be up on the film. Right. And then you're probably going to see Coach Charlie. So uh, <laughs> we address it, but they've got to grow into understanding how important that is. And then Coach Peterson does, you know, 95. What happens the 95% of the game, you're not touching the ball because right. guys don't have the ball more, more than two minutes a game if you really are specific about it. So how are they affecting the game? And then it just comes down to us holding them accountable. But we asked Keate and we asked the group, uh, to try to get the free throw line more in Canada. Yep. And, you know, there's only, I think in the last 10 years, Scott won the Big 12 twice, or we did. Scott would want me to say we, but, you know, Scott, Bruce Weber, and Bill Self are the guys who won the Big 12, I believe, in the last decade. And usually the team that wins is the one that shoots the most free throws. And historically, we have not shot as many free throws as other people in our right. league. And it's something we want to try. And Keontae, for maybe one or two times where he thought he got fouled, he got fouled more in Canada than than anybody has for us in the last, uh, since I've been here, the last five years. Yeah. So I, I would say in the summer, we would focus more on being encouraged by the fact that we got to the line more in Canada than ever yeah. than we would on that little stuff that we can clean up pretty quick through film. But our, our free throw usage and percentage uh, went up in Canada and multiple guys got to the line more often than we have in the past. So we were, actually encouraged by that yeah yeah well hey i told you 25 minutes it's already been 27 minutes i appreciate you giving me this time and it's always great to catch up and hear how the team is developing and i know fans are super excited about the season uh some big opportunities to come support you know i know we've got we need fans there for that gonzaga game in south dakota and then obviously dallas uh, when we play washington state all the home games uh, Vegas, if you can make that trip out to Vegas and watch us play Virginia and then uh, either 
um, Illinois or UCLA of the second game of that of that weekend. Uh, those are some opportunities to you know some, for some really big games. And of course, it goes without saying, do not sell your tickets to Arkansas fans. <laughs> Let's make sure that, that is a a, a pro Baylor crowd, and and we have that thing full for that Arkansas game in January. Uh, but uh, any other parting thoughts, John? No, I agree with everything you just said. Just come out and support us. Uh, we're trying to do our best to give the crowd a good brand of basketball and uh, the culture of joy. Jesus, others, and yourself matters a bunch to us. But the style of play and the pace will, I think, can be picked up this year. Hopefully that's exciting. And I just want to say thank you for all you do and uh, the way you support the program and make sure people are included. And it's always been good to me and to us. So I just want to say thanks, Ashley. Well, thanks, John. Appreciate you. And you've been listening to a Sikkim 365 podcast with Ashley Hodge and John Jacobs, Sikkim Bears.